please, and I'd like you to turn to Second Corinthians chapter one. Well, there's more of them than I thought. They just keep coming out of the woodwork. That's good. Second Corinthians chapter one. It's only one chapter and one. Tonight, I am, I just feel, I wasn't going to go this direction, but the Lord just impressed on my heart to switch directions for tonight, and I want to sort of speak on the coronavirus issue that's going out, and I, as a pastor, I think maybe it's my job to sort of set a note. A lot of you talk to me personally, um, and I want to just sort of talk from the scriptures, and I'm sure tonight you could add a lot of PSs at the end of this message. In other words, you have some thoughts that would be very healthy. I don't think I have the only thoughts on this, all right? But I want to try to be an encouragement. I do know this. Uh, as a young pastor, I was always trying to encourage people to overcome and, and to deal with things. And I learned I am not a doctor. I am not a lawyer. And I am not all these different things. I'm just a pastor. And my advice is taken in that direction. And when I get outside of my field, I have to be careful. Um, we have to use our own, our own common sense and our own goodness before, before life. And all I can do is give you the best thoughts and wisdom. You, you have to stand in your own self on how you deal with crises that come the way. Second Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter one, please, is a, the Lord is our comfort. And often when we go through things, the Lord is preparing us to be a comfort to somebody else. And I want you to see in chapter 1 and in verse um, 2, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just stop there. Who's writing this? Paul. He's writing in 2 Corinthians. By this time, he's had a lot of experiences. Has Paul been in all kinds of crazy places? I mean, he's been in prison. He's... Um, He's been beaten, he's been left for dead, he's in all the rest. And he says to the Corinthians, in time of trials in their life, he says, grace be to you, and then peace. And that peace doesn't come from your pastor, that doesn't come from your best friend, that doesn't come from your job, it doesn't come from any place else. Our peace as a Christian comes directly from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to understand something first about our God. Our God is good. Our God is never out of control. Our God wants what's best for us, and God often has much more in mind than we could ever dream, but he's the one that when we relax into his hands, that's the beginning of uh, finding a tremendous uh, big uplift in our life. Look at the next verse, verse three. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. When we have times that we get a little worried about viruses or losing jobs, you know, we sort of have two things going on right now, um, where the Dow Jones lost, what, 20%, something like that, and people are sort of worried about it. Um, price of oil, I think, I heard today is around $30 a barrel, and uh, that kind of thing. In Houston, for those that might be just on the newer side, we're looking a year or two from now for that to be the down lead uh, of what happens this week and these weeks. Uh, see now, oh, it's not affecting anything, 
but it's affecting contracts, it's affecting jobs, it's affecting all kinds. I'm not trying to stir you up, but I am to say, I am to say this, that our Father is the God of all comfort. And he goes with us and he strengthens us through valleys and through mountains and through all kinds of wind and rain and all kinds of stuff. The Lord is the constant for all eternity, not just on this earth. And he's the God of comfort. What is comfort? We, we've learned this before, and we're going to touch it again in the message before we're done. The word comfort is the word paraclete. Para means to come alongside. You, you para somebody, you come alongside, and kalit is called. God has been called alongside in our trials to be there with us. And either we can turn to him and look for him and embrace him, or we can try to say, I'm all alone. Elijah, you remember his first reaction when he, at a certain point, he said, I'm all alone. He, he thought he was all alone from the, and God said, you have 7,000 others. And he also reminded him, I'm here. I'm here. So we have a God of all comfort. Look, if you will, please, in verse 4, talking about God who comforted us in, and I circled really big a long time ago, that next three-letter word, all. There's not a time that God isn't there for us. And tribulations can come in a lot of different forms than a virus and economics. They can come in a time of a, a doctor's diagnosis of cancer. They can come on um, relationships that are strained in marriage that breaks up, uh, a child that's rebelling. I mean, he's a God of all comfort. In all tribulations, it says our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. When we have victory in learning how to draw on the comfort of God, it gives us a tremendous tool, uh, gives us a platform, it gives us a confidence in dealing with others that are going through tribulation. I know this group probably understands this, but sometimes when something happens to me and I can't understand why this would happen, and yet maybe it's three years down the way and you're sitting in a situation, you say, listen, you don't understand. Oh, I do understand. And I know that God was there for me. Let me tell you, sweetheart, let me tell you, sir, God is real, and God will take care of this. Uh, we don't like to always go through those tribulations that teach that. But the comfort whereby we are comforted helps us to comfort those that that same God can comfort them. And so we, by making wise choices, let's just take it on a smaller, smaller scale. The older Christians comforting the younger Christians in our church. The moms and dads comforting the children in our church. The men may be comforting ladies that are a little more emotionally tuned than men. The comfort wherewith we are comforted gives us a solid platform and an experience to comfort those that are around us that God is a good God. And he, he makes no mistakes. Look at verse 5. He says this, For as the sufferings of Christ abound, in us, so consolation also abindeth in Christ. What's consolation? That's that encouragement that God puts his arms around and 
we're going to find our true help and our true deliverance and our, our true comfort is going to be found in our Lord Jesus Christ. And taking that word deliverance, let's look at verse 10. Look at verse 10 of the same chapter. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. Well, I remember when I was a younger Christian, I ran across that verse, and I thought, wow, there's the three tenses of God's deliverances. He delivered me in the past, and you, we've, I preach this. If we can trust God to save our soul, why are we so worried about this crisis? I mean, we got a bigger crisis coming up. It's called death. And I, I can understand maybe some of the people out in life I can understand if they don't know Christ that they think this is all there is to it. And, uh, the philosophy of, you know, we don't, you know, we just die and that's it. But listen, Christians, we, we don't live like that. We have been delivered. And he does deliver. The same one that delivered is still delivering. And he will yet continue on delivering. And that's a great promise for us to draw upon in our own life. I would write down 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 as a great thing. The one that delivered is delivered and will and yet shall deliver is the God that we trusted in for salvation. And when somebody starts to, to really allow themselves to get going... But why is it then that um, we get so uptight and up, uh, up, upset about things? Um, long before this little situation that we're in now came up, I was dealing with something a year or two ago, and I was trying to reason with somebody about something. I was trying to say, you know, this is this. And I, I could get nowhere, and somebody just said something I already knew, but I'd forgotten. Fear is irrational. You, do you understand the word irrational? You can, tell, you can tell them all the things in the world, but reasoning doesn't help many people when they, when they allow fear to grip their heart. That's, that's what the problem is, is that fear is hard to reason with. And that's why we, we have trouble when people go that way. Uh, we know the verse. I'm not going to have you go there, but if you're taking notes, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Whenever fear takes over a Christian's decisions, when that's all that I can think of is fear, I know that's not of God. I can just be sure, I, I don't, you, you put all, whatever the subject is, forget, forget the virus, forget finances, you take any circumstance that I am just immobilized in my Christian life, and I'm not taking the promises and trusting God and I'm not going to go forward and I can't sleep at night. That is not of God. It's just not. God didn't give us that spirit. What did he give us? He gave us the spirit, well, of love. And love is an ama amazing thing in that uh, we think what's best a power, that's an authority over something, and then a sound mind. That word sound mind, when you go back to the original, is the word the same as 
a sophist mind. In other words, a wise-minded person. God's given us, as Christians, the ability to be wiser than the fear. That's God. God says, you know, stand up, face it, address it. I'm there with you. That's the spirit of the Holy Spirit coming along, comforting us and strengthening us to trust in God. But here is Satan on the other side, sort of like on a house that's burning down, and he's jumping down, up and down, making it go down quicker. Satan is a destroyer. He's a liar. And he doesn't care about the people he deals with. That's his whole, his whole agenda. But God has given us a different spirit that lives within us. We have nothing in our life that God can't help us with. I'd like to give you seven things from Scripture that we can that we we can think of in comfort in our heart tonight. First of all, we have the promises of Scripture. I thought of tonight, but I don't want to take the time. I thought of tonight just having us like popcorn stand up and say some promises that we're trusting in. And we've done that before. All the way from salvation promises to all the rest. Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is and to die is? Where's the promise there? That whether I live, the Lord's with me, or whether I die, he's with me. That's a wonderful truth for me to be able to understand. Romans 15, let's go there. This verse we touched on actually a couple weeks ago on uh, one of the services, but I'll remind you of it. Romans chapter 15. Look at verses 1 through 4. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. For every one of us uh, please his, uh, for every one of us please his, let, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them, the reproach they fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we through patience, can circle that, patience, and comfort of the scriptures, where's our comfort from the scriptures, might have hope. What do we say the word hope means in the Bible? Confidence. Why were these things written? That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have confidence. When you get fearful and overwhelmed, one of the best things that you can possibly do is get your Bible out and just have a good time of devotions. Not too long ago, I was in a circumstance that just seemed overwhelming. It was like one of those days that you didn't want to pick up the phone or have everybody knock on your door again because everything, everything seemed to go. You ever have days like that? And I came home sort of battered up and bruised up in my spirit. And I said, Lord, I know better than to be like this. And you've heard me say it to go before. I went right to the book of Philippians. And I tell you what, I didn't even get through the finish of the, of the book of Philippians. And God had jacked my spirit right back up to the comfort and patience of the scriptures. My confidence was restored. Listen, our confidence is not in, come on, buddy, you can do it. Come on, friend, we're all in it together. It's in the comfort of the scriptures. And the promises that we have uh, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, let me give you another verse. Look over at John chapter 16. And we're going to be in John some tonight, so you might want to just mark, keep a finger in John. But in John chapter 16, 
Look at Jesus after he's been comforting and talking to the, to the disciples. He says this in verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. See what God wants us to have? Hope, peace, comfort, confidence. In the world ye shall have what? Tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Do we believe that? And so when we find people around us that the, whole, the world's burning down and you know, just, we're just last one out, you know, please shut the lights out, the world's going to die, we can be of good cheer. I tell you, one person that I've known in my life that practices as probably as supremely as anybody I've ever met was Cindy Blair, is Cindy Blair. Cindy Blair, has, if you sit down and talk to some of the things she's gone through in her life, I'd say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, she's had cancer for, what, the last four years now? You go to visit her, she does not complain. She says, God's in charge. And she is a good cheer even to this day. That's the way we should be. Not just with a virus, not just with finances. We ought to be a good cheer. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say... Rejoice. Don't you know what's going on? Yeah, God. And he's given me promises in my life. The second thing, so we look at the comfort of the scriptures, the promises of the scriptures. Number two, we look at the comfort of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 15, I told you we're going to be in John, but look at John chapter, actually 14 first. John chapter 14, look at verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may, be, may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Notice the world can't get the same thing we have. They don't have the Holy Spirit. That's why they're all worked up. Because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth where? With you. Does the Holy Spirit dwell with you tonight? Yes. And shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Look at chapter 15 once again. The Holy Spirit. Look at verse 26. And when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, from, uh, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit is going to draw us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse chapter 16, and let's look, if you will, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you. That means it's a blessing. It's a good thing for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So the comforter's there. Do you know in times like this, we can either learn to develop a deeper, hand-in-glove, sweet relationship with the comforter, or we can just sort of harden our minds to it. I would just challenge you. if Just say, Lord, let the Holy Spirit just be real to me. We're afraid, I think, a little bit sometimes because of the charismatic movement. We want to be Holy Spirit. Da, da, da. But you know what? The Holy Spirit is for you and me. And he's comforting to us. Go over to Romans chapter 5, please. Look at verse 3. Romans 5. 
So we have the comfort of the promises of the scripture, the comfort of the person of the Holy Spirit, and then we have the comfort of the confidence of experience. Look at Romans 5, verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Oh, yeah, we're really happy, aren't we? Okay. Lost 20% in the stock market. Yay, glory. Oh, no. But we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation also works patience. What's patience? Patience is I learn to let God handle it. And patience works experience. What's experience? That's a set of those times that I've trusted in God and it worked it out. And experience works what? Hope, confidence. And confidence says this, I will never be put to shame when I trust God. I will never be put to shame. And so we have the comfort of the confidence of experience. Listen, in your life, we could have people stand up here and just tell how many times God has delivered you from some amazing things. Amen? Today I stopped by and saw... Um, Robert Jordan. He lost his wife, what, four or five weeks ago. I stopped by just to see him. We were talking about a lot of different things, and he said, you know, Pastor, can I tell you what? I could tell you dozens and dozens of times that God has done the miraculous thing, and people, people wonder, how am I feeling that my wife is gone and all the rest? I said, we live to be 90 years old. God has been so good to us. He said, in my life, he said, I could easily tell you 10 miraculous things that God did. There's absolutely no explanation how he delivers. He'd be a bam, 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 bam. Listen, that's the comfort of the confidence of experience. And I would sort of put this with the song that we sing, we sing. When upon life's billows, tempest toss, when you are discouraged, think all is lost. Count your many blessings. Just think what God has done for you. And it will surprise you how long the list gets. How long the list gets. We are sort of like the children of Israel. God delivered them out of Egypt, did all these different things. They got out here and a little bit of a problem. They started shaking their fist at God. Are we much different than that? Are we much different than that? So the comfort of the confidence of scripture, uh, of uh, experience, I mean. And then we have number four, in John chapter 10, verse 31, it says, but these are written that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that believing ye might have life through his name. It's the comfort of our salvation. What is the worst thing that could happen to you and me in this virus? We get to go to heaven. I mean, if we really believe that, it, it's just that little valley we have to go in between that scares us a little bit, right? Okay? The, though I've come to the valley of the shadow of death, I will... What? Fear? Yeah. yeah, we can quote it, we can sing it, but it's harder to live than we like to think. Amen? Okay? So we have the comfort of an eternal salvation. And we know John chapter 10, verse 27. He know, we, we're his sheep, and he knows our voice. We know his voice and we're in his hand and no one can take us out of his hand. It's eternal and I can't mess up when I give it to God. Amen? 
So we have the comfort of our eternal salvation. And then turn to Romans chapter 8. I think this is probably a verse that uh, many Christians learn early in their life when they come to tribulation. Romans 8, 28. And we know. Do you know that word we know is the form of we know because of experience? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purposes. Is God in charge? And so we would look at tonight the will of God, the comfort of knowing I'm in the will of God. You know, the only time that we really have to fear much, I say fear, be concerned as Christians is when we become like a Jonah. What happened to Jonah? Even God delivered Jonah, but I tell you what, Jonah sure took a ride, didn't he? He tried to run from the will of God and all the rest, and yet when it got back in the will of God, miraculous things happened, and old Nineveh, the city that you never could believe would ever repent, is delivered for, was it one or two hundred years before they finally are destroyed because of the preaching of Jonah? Wow. The will of God, the purpose of God. So, Pastor... You preach that message like four Wednesday nights this night. You look back and you say, and my sister got the virus. All things work together for good. Can I give you one thing that's been on my mind as far as all things work together for good? I really think there are people that are more open to a witness when they feel vulnerability. And they sense their mortality. I really could die. Give you a case in point. There was a preacher in the 1930s. Got his book in my office. He wanted to evangelize over in Europe and Yugoslavia and Hungary and all those places. Couldn't hardly get in. Late 1930s, there was a fellow named Hitler that began to stir things up. I mean, he started causing all kinds of problems. And, you know, the people were just like we are with this little crisis. They weren't dumb. They knew that this could easily be a big war coming. And so the people, their ears got wide open. And he went from where they couldn't even get a building like this full to they had to rent the biggest stadium, and it was packed. And thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people got saved just before World War II. Many of those people perish later on. So that sounds terrible. I mean, they got saved and died. Yeah, but where'd they end up? And God, in his mercy, had a purpose to get their attention. We wouldn't have maybe thought of all that, but God was working on Europe in an amazing way. And so we see the will of God, the comfort of knowing that God's in charge in our life. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Maybe this one has not occurred to you. Maybe it has. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 18. I'm going to read the verse, then we're going to see why it's there. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What words? Jesus is coming again. As I got older in my spiritual life and started seeing the motivation of a lot of things in the New Testament, the Lord says he loves those that love his appearing. There's even a crown for it. 
you know, Christians, God's plan in the end of the age is closer than it's ever been. And one day Jesus is coming. Wherefore, comfort one another. I can't think this happening to our church. Please don't think badly for me to even suggest this. But let's say somebody in our church does get a virus and dies. Wouldn't that be something? That's what they were concerned about in this passage of Scripture. Some people had passed away and Jesus hadn't come yet. And they were saying, what about them? He said, we're going to meet together in the clouds. You've been to two kinds of funerals? I have, surely. A saved person and an unsaved person. What a tremendous comfort to know that Jesus Christ is going to come back for his own. And whether I die of coronavirus or I die of a drunk broadside in me or I just have a heart attack or I just go of natural causes, sleepless sleep, and don't wake up until eternity, comfort one another with these words. That's a tremendous thing. And then the last one is most natural for me. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And I put this on, it's the comfort that God cares and hears. God cares and hears. Philippians chapter 4, please. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. What's moderation? Don't overreact. That's exactly what moderation means. Let your moderation be uh, known unto all men. Are people watching how you as a Christian deal with this? The Lord is at hand. Be careful. Do I have to even preach on these verses? Don't worry about anything. But in everything, our comfort comes where? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Are we to get angry with God or are we to be thankful? I need your help. It comes hard out of our mouths, doesn't it? Okay. Lord, I just lost a bunch of money this week. Thank you. I guess I didn't need it. Okay. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts. And I think the biggest thing is our minds. Wouldn't you? Would you agree with that? Probably through Christ Jesus. Now, I said, you probably could come up with another seven or another 25. I don't know. But these are the things that God laid on my heart. The comfort whereby we are comforted, we need to in turn comfort others that our God can comfort them if they'll choose to trust in God. And what are the seven comforts I've given? The comfort of the promises of Scripture. The comfort of the person of the comforter, the Holy Spirit. The comforter of the confidence of experience past that God has never let me down. The comfort of my eternal salvation that can't be taken away. The comfort that God is in charge. The comfort of knowing I'm in God's will. The comfort of the coming of Christ. And the comfort of a caring God that answers prayer. Amen? Let's bow our heads, please. Father, I pray tonight that you would help these things to be an encouragement to the church family here at our west side, Father. May you help us, Father, as we would in turn
practice these things and, in, and lay our hearts down and our, our minds upon these truths that we would be able to comfort others, especially other Christians. Father, may you open doors of witness for us that we could have never had any other way and give us a holy, loving boldness to speak of you that others may know the comfort whereby we are comforting eternally and now. In Jesus' name, everybody said. I want